0: God is good all and all the time. God is good. Well, it sounds like you need to eat because <laughs> that's what I sound like when I'm hungry. Don't quite have the energy, so I won't keep us too long because I'm already hungry. I was hungry before first service. That's a problem. But uh, I'll trust God to sustain me and you and uh, do this. And thank you so much Sharon, Mike Hansen, and some of our new worship leaders here at Calamesa, yeah. And their family, who you're, most of you are familiar with and uh, appreciate it. I was, I was telling Mike um, between services, we were talking just a little bit, and I said, oh, it was bringing back some good memories for me because when I was uh, finishing up at La Sierra University, and Lisa and I were in our first year of marriage, and we were living in student housing over there at La Sierra, um, we would go over to the Corona Church for worship, and that's where uh, Mike was the senior pastor, and Sharon was on staff there, and, and they always had just wonderful worship, and then after every sermon he'd preach, they'd do a duet together, almost every, probably not every, but probably pretty close, and uh, just uh, it fed our soul. Thank you so much for your ministry to so many people and to my wife and I, and uh, what an honor it is to have you here at Kalamasa serving with us, so, but always bless me, and, and guess what, after the sermon today... You're going to get a duet, so it's going to be good. You'll be plus, yeah. Uh, well, um, I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. I like the holiday, too, not just the food, right? I just, I, but I love Thanksgiving. I love the season of Thanksgiving, and and I think I mentioned this a little bit last year, but, but my, my angst is growing a little bit, and that is... Um, I'm, really, I'm getting more and more upset. Am I saying this out loud or am I just thinking this? Let me this. I'm getting a little more upset with Christmas. Now, not Christmas Christmas, but with commercial Christmas. I'm, I'm getting a little more frustrated because they're kind of just trying to push Thanksgiving out completely. You know, And so if you're watching TV or you're going anywhere to go to a restaurant or anywhere in town... Or even just to go downtown to one of our nearby cities here. They've already got the Christmas tree up and they've got everything going. I'm like, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. And so, uh, I'm sorry. You're not supposed to talk about pet peeves when you preach. That's one of the things they teach you uh, in homiletics. But I'm breaking all the rules. um, Because it just bothers me. (laughs) And I I was, you know, I have, uh, uh, if you don't know me, I have two teenagers. And they just love when I preach at them. You know, when I give them lectures they are like, Dad, give us more. You know, we just we don't get enough from you. We don't get enough from you on Sabbath morning. Give us more during the week. You know. So, uh, so I do. So I give that to them.
1: Because
0: um, I tell them I won't be able to be there all their life to lecture and to do that. So, but I said someday, some of you just watch. You know, 50 years from now, they're not even going to know what Thanksgiving is. You know, Christmas, all the commercialism or everything is going to completely block it out. And you're going to tell your kids someday, you know, there used to actually be a holiday named Thanksgiving. You know, they actually, they used to take a whole day just to celebrate Thanksgiving. And you're like, yeah, 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 dad, you know, right. <laughs> but anyways, I'm starting to believe that. I think that that could possibly happen. They're just, because as soon as November one hits, well, even before that, right? Worst Thanksgiving. Worst. So anyways, I'm sorry. I rode my hobby horse there for a while. Um, but you know, my feelings, I love Thanksgiving. Today you can be thankful that my name is not Zach Zender. If you keep up with world records, um, this man on November 7th, I'm sorry, yes, November 7th at 7 a.m. began to set the world record for the world's longest speech. He started Friday, 7 a.m., November 7, and didn't stop until 12.21 p.m. on Sunday. It says The article goes on and says that's a speech of 48 hours and 31 minutes. Zach did get a five-minute break every hour, per the rules of Guinness. Guess what his profession is? Pre-bar. He's a preacher, right? So, so church, if anything else, you can give thanks that I'm not Zach Zender today, all right? That was good. But as I think about Thanksgiving... I think of psalms like this. You probably, you're probably familiar with some of these psalms, 100 verses 1 through 5. Oh, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. I think we're going to project this for you. Yeah, there we go. Hey, don't, don't distract our projectionists, okay? <laughs> shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Don't you love Psalms like that? How about this one, Psalms 118, 28, and 29? You are my God. I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Well, church, if I was to ask you this morning, what do you give thanks for? What would you say? Let's just take it. we just shout out something you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Family. Family. Assurance. Assurance. Health. 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 Sabbath. Jesus. Jesus. Freedom, Thanksgiving, <laughs> salvation. I haven't heard anybody say they're kids yet. I'm just saying, <laughs> right? My kids. How about kids? My parents. My parents, right? Kids are saying the thing about their parents. Okay. All right. I'm just doing some coaching this morning. Just make sure we're okay. Yes, we give thanks. Do you know when I think, think about Thanksgiving? I am thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my my family, my wife, I'm thankful for my mother, who just celebrated 85 years recently, so I'm thankful for her, yeah. I'm thankful for my church family, I'm thankful for my health, I'm thankful for food, I'm thankful for all kinds of goodness. But you know, as I think about it, all of life, everything we are thankful for is grace. Everything is a gift. Everything that breath you just took, right, is a gift. The saliva you just swallowed is a gift. That the eyelid that just blinked is a gift. Now don't keep them down, okay, while I'm talking, but make sure they go up. It's a gift. The pulse in your body, the beating of your heart, the blood in your veins, it's a gift. It's all grace. The family, the job the money, the education, the bed you slept in, the meal you ate or that you're going to eat, it's all grace, all of it. And that's why we give thanks, because it's a gift of grace from God. In this life, there are things that happen that remind us of how fragile life is and, and what a gift life really is for us. Sometimes it's a problem with our health, Sometimes it's that job not being there anymore. Sometimes it's somebody not being with us anymore, passing away. We're reminded that life is all just a gift. It's nothing we can really take for granted. It's nothing that that we earn. When we think about natural disasters in this world, earthquakes, fires, floods, storms, we remember how grand life is and how sometimes unstable life can be. Now, I was born and raised in Southern California, so I know earthquakes pretty good. I grew up with them from a young age, and, and uh, every time they would come, I remember you know the family, I had uh, three other siblings, and every time that earthquake would come, sometimes in the middle of the night, you jumped out of bed, and you got right in that doorway right, of your bedroom. Now, I don't know if that actually works. I mean, they always said that was one of the stronger parts of the... Is it work? Okay, all right. I'll take your word for it, Joy. It works. Well, it did anyways at our house, right? It never... But I, can... I have memories of standing there, looking down the hallway, looking at my siblings and my parents. You know, everybody's there. I can remember going to last year, as I mentioned earlier, and I remember being in... Uh, uh, let's see. This professor's class... I had to screen whether I was going to say that name or not... but. We were there and we were having earthquakes that morning. And the professor said, now, we were on the, we were on the top second floor and uh, those buildings, you know, weren't necessarily the strongest out there. And he said, now, I just need to let you know that if the earthquake comes again, you're on your own. <laughs> I'm going out that way. You can do whatever you want, but I'm going out. He wasn't born and raised out here. He didn't like earthquakes too much. And we did have an earthquake in that class and uh, he shot out the door. But other than that, <laughs> he came back eventually. We were all sitting there waiting for him. but. But we've all had those moments, those thunderstorms. You know, you thought that it was going to come through the house and, and hit you. It was so strong and so close. We could go on and on. But we were reminded of how unstable sometimes this life can be. Today, church, we give thanks for the life we have now. But, church, we also remember... Today, because of Jesus Christ, we give thanks for the life that is to come. We give thanks not just for life now, but for the life to come. When the world will be so stable. You see, remember as Christians, we give thanks today that someday evil will be no more. Evil will be gone. Sin will be gone. Death, as the Bible says, will be swallowed up in victory. May I remind you of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Let me just read that again. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. To Church, we give thanks today as Christians because of the wonderful life God has given us now, but we give thanks to our King because of the life to come. And I want to spend a little bit of time this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, because the good thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ And the message he brought to us of his kingdom is that while this life is unstable to most degrees, we can, through the kingdom of God, experience extreme stability in this life. Let me unpack this a little bit. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Do you know what he's talking about here, church? Do you remember this? Exodus chapter 19, just before chapter 20, in the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God is calling Moses to to bring the people to the mountain. And there was that glorious presence of God that was terrifying because God is holy. God is sinless, and God is perfect, and God is God. And we as sinners are far from that. And so God's, God's calling them to come to the mountain, but he says, only come so far because this is too much for you. He's too holy and too pure. But church, please, when you read Exodus 19, please always see it through the filter of God coming down to people, of God calling people to Him. That's what the whole Scriptures is about. When you look at the very call to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God is working through humanity to bless all nations and to bless all peoples. So God is constantly calling us to Him and drawing near to us. And so the author of Hebrews is reminding us of this picture. But then there's my favorite word in Scripture in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now that is a pregnant passage. There's a lot in there, but what I want to share, church, is that most of the time when we look at this, we might go, ooh, that, it all sounds pretty good, you know, verse 28, but then verse 29, ooh, for our God is a consuming fire. That sounds pretty bad. But actually, it's good news, church. Because fire is never used in the Bible for punishment. Fire is used for cleansing and for purification. And the good news is, is that God is going to cleanse this earth. And that's how this earth gets made new. And think of a world. Just imagine, if you will. Let's just, just, you know, think here for a second. Imagine a world that has no evil, has no death, has no bitterness, has no resentments, has no anger, has no rage, has no malice, has no slander, has no murder, is nothing but filled with the perfect love of God. Thank God our God is a consuming fire. And the good news is that God, because he loves us so much, knows that the only thing that can stand is his kingdom. Nothing in this world, nothing at all can go unshaken but the kingdom of God. And the good news is that Jesus came saying, the door to my kingdom is wide open. Come into my kingdom. Come in where You are loved unconditionally, where you are forgiven and where you're transformed. Someday I'm going to cleanse this world because love has to do this. But I want everybody in my kingdom. So won't you come into my kingdom? Because my kingdom is the only thing that will be unshaken. It's the only thing that is unshakable. Notice in verse 28 we are receiving a kingdom that, it doesn't say will not be shaken, but cannot be shaken. And the good news, church, is that today, in this very shakable world, Jesus says, "Once you live in my unshakable kingdom? That no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's going on around you, you can be unshakable because you're in my kingdom. When Jesus said in John chapter 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, did he say, Come follow me so that your garage can be full of stuff? Isn't that the abundant life? Come follow me so that you can have whatever bank account. Come follow me so that... No, the abundant life is a life that's unshakable. That no matter what comes our way in this life, no matter what happens to us, the good, the bad, the ugly, your life is unshakable because the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom is unshakable because his character is unshakable. His sacrifice in Jesus Christ and his provision is unshakable. And his love and his mercy and his justice and his grace and forgiveness is unshakable. And when we stand in that kingdom, our lives are unshakable. His love, scripture says, never fails. It never comes to an end. It never disappears. It never ceases to exist. Anything that is not of God, that is not of love, will be shaken. Because only God's kingdom is unshakable. I want to read to you again from the book of Hebrews. And I didn't give it, give it to our projectionists because I just want you to sit and listen. I don't want you just to look or just, just listen. From Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 10. Listen to the unshakableness of God's love for us and what he's done for us. By this will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And that is unshakable. The act of God and loving us the way he has, of providing a way to be forgiven, to be made right with God, and to be part of what he's up to, to putting all things back to right again, there is nothing else in this world that is unshakable. Only the kingdom of God. When you read the book of Hebrews, you're reminded of the all-sufficiency of Christ, the all-supremacy of Christ, and what he's done for us. And this, this verse that I shared with you in chapter 12, these verses of the unshakable kingdom that we get to receive, don't forget that Hebrews chapter 11 comes before it. The great hall of faith. You remember these great people of faith? Yet when you read it, They were people just like you and I, people with issues, people with stuff in their life, people who weren't perfect, just everyday people. But they were everyday people who decided to stand on the unshakable reign of God. And in so doing, God did incredible things to them so that no matter what was happening, no matter what the circumstances were around them or that faced them in their life, they stood on the unshakable reign of God and God did amazing things through them for his work here on earth. When you go on and you get to the beginning of chapter 12, which is the chapter I drew from, we're reminded of how we live in that unshakable kingdom. There's so many things to distract us. There's so many things that are constantly calling out for attention to trust in other things besides the kingdom of God. Chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here it is. Let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. A few weeks ago, I was um, watching the television show 60 Minutes. And I was uh, intrigued by this one segment where they had a Navy SEAL who had written a book about some of his experiences and, and he was in trouble with the government because he didn't go through the proper channels to get his book approved by the government before he let these things out there. That was kind of the heart of the story, but, but then he shared a story towards the end of this little section of 60 Minutes and he said, I was out rock climbing. Now I was about 300 feet up, and I panicked. Now, at first I thought, wait a minute. I didn't think Navy SEALs got scared by anything. <laughs> I didn't think they panicked about anything. But here he was rock climbing, he's 300 feet up, and he looked down. Now, I don't know about you, but I would probably do more than panic. <laughs> Uh, I know I, my relationship with Jesus would get a lot closer in that moment because I'd be praying like I never prayed before. But he panicked. And he said he was, with, he was with a rock climbing instructor, and he said his rock climbing instructor came up to him, and he said he said, all you have to do right now is live in your three-foot world. He goes, your world is only three feet right now all around you. The only thing you can do is live in your three-foot world. Don't live in the four-foot world, which is unreachable. Don't live in a five-foot. Don't live in a 10-foot world. Don't live in the 300-foot world for sure. Live in your three-foot world. And somewhere within this three-foot world is your next handhold. So in that three-foot world, just find your next handhold. And when you get to that next handhold, stay in your three-foot world and look for the next handhold. And before you know it, you'll be where you need to be. Church, the thing that I have found in my own life and in many of yours that I talk with is that it's the things outside of our three-foot world that shake us up. What if? What about? Five years from now, 10 years from now, next month, what if, what if? If we want to live in the unshakable kingdom of God, we trust God with all of that, And we live in our three-foot world. Because within our three-foot world, the kingdom of God is very active, and he has made provision. And he says, just live with me in the present. Just live with me in the present. Trust me for all the rest. Because as long as you live with me in my unshakable kingdom right now in your three-foot world, you have nothing to worry about beyond that. Because we give thanks to God, our king today, for the life he gives us today and for the life to come. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your unshakable kingdom. We give thanks to you for the amazing life that we get to share now. We are so grateful because we know that that life is all grace. So we give thanks to you. Jesus, we continue to just give you thanks because this life is not the end but the life to come, which will never end. We thank you for that life too. Lord, what makes it all work is you and your kingdom. So thank you that we don't have to wait for the end of time to experience the unshakableness of your kingdom. You offer it to us now and today so that no matter how fragile or instable this life feels at times, your unshakable kingdom and character and love can be the very core of who we are and in our being. So thank you, Jesus. Take a moment now just in silent prayer to put your feet on God's unshakable kingdom and give him thanks this morning.
1: says are true, he's everything he said that he would be, the finest words I know could not begin to tell just how much Jesus really means to me. wonderful then my heart can believe he goes beyond And so much more More than amazing More than marvelous More than miraculous Could ever be He's more than wonderful That's what Jesus is
0: go into this thanksgiving season may we go with thankful hearts to our king for we are receiving his unshakable kingdom god bless